nice. I want to talk about this. Does anybody ever go to, to um, court? Anybody familiar with court? She actually works in a court. You want to preach the rest of this sermon? I think you probably could. <laughs> so, uh, I, I've heard in, in uh, um, court always for me was kind of like something that you're afraid of or you greatly admire. Aren't, remember, what, what was that? Uh, there's been so many like um, weekly uh, series, um, you know, where there's a... Uh, a lawyer. Oh, one of them was like in a wheelchair. Remember, it's like the, and then, yeah, those old, uh, those old show Perry Mason wasn't he a, a liar? He wasn't a liar. Well, he was something anyway. But but you know some of some of the greatest movies like the Lincoln Lawyer, you know. And I was thinking when I, you know, can you handle the truth? You know, you get the right guy on your side. Now, let's just go back just a little bit, because what are courts for? You don't, you don't really have a court unless, unless you have some laws in place ahead of time, right? You have to have some laws in place. And I think this is where our country's starting to get a little skewed right now, because when we started off, I don't know if you know this, but we started off based upon a morality that came from God. All laws are doing are establishing morality, what is right. Is that true? Now, the problem is, once you start getting a little skewed from what's right, you can't make any law that's actually going to be right. And it doesn't matter if you go to court. Man, we've had our Supreme Court make, make some boneheaded. Why? It's not because the law wasn't right. And then we have... And then we have laws that get to the Supreme Court that are in question, and they rubber stamp them because it's not coming from God. So the law has to be right in the first place. But you, get, you have something that's happened that's, that's uh, contrary to the law that's in place, right? And you say, okay, we got to go to court to figure out what's wrong, right? So for the person that's actually been harmed... The person that uh, says, hey, we got to fix this. Justice needs to be done. What are they going to base that upon? Upon a law, right? A, a law that's in place. But there's something that I found out. Just because a law is in place doesn't mean your case is going to be made. So you have to get one of them their lawyers, right? You have to get somebody... They went to school and spent a much, bunch of money, and now they're wanting to take all yours, right? <laughs> they're, want, they're wanting to make some money off of what they know about what goes on in a court. Because it's not enough to just have a law in place. You know, have to know how to plead your case, don't you? And it can be very dangerous if you try to say, hey, I'll just do that myself. kind of a bad idea and it's, it's, a, it's a really bad idea. I, I thought, man, I could do better than this. And I think, why aren't you saying this? Why aren't you saying that? You know, sometimes you need to keep your mouth shut, you know. <laughs> you have to know what to say and when, right? <laughs> but you need the right guy on your side too. You need the right guy on your side. And I, I want to look at this this morning because we've been tapping into this already. What we're experiencing here today is not just us as individuals having fun praising God. There's a spiritual thing going on here today that, that I, I, I feel like there's a whole lot more potential for it. We are, we are spirits. We are spirits, each one of us. And there's an effect upon the world that needs to be made by us. But we're not going to make it if we're going to court with our own little noodle. We need some help, don't we? We need some help. We can't say, oh, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get on Facebook. I'm going I'm to post some stuff. And we'll see. I'll tell them. 
You know, the biggest frustration for me right now, because we got some major, some major, you know, the, a disease that's much bigger than COVID is going on in our nation today. And we'll see what it is. <laughs> but there's a, there's a great lie that's taking place that, that needs to be affected. And the, and the thing that frustrates me, and I've said to my wife, what do we do? Where do we make our case? Where do we do these things? Because it's like you want to, I said, I'm, I'm fixing to have a little bit of civil disobedience. When what's put in place is not right. Okay. And even saying these things right now, I'm, I'm stepping out here a little bit, all right? Okay. Huh. Because where does our, where, where, when do we draw the line and say that's enough? My, my freedoms in this very area were bought by some young man that shed his blood on a, on a, on a battlefield so that I could be free from the very thing that you're telling me is a law right now. And that's not true. Right? So at some point, there needs to be a rising up against it. Because you know what? And, and here's where we're going to get because we're, we're in church here today and I think there's a, a, a place for rising up and having a voice somewhere. But we as a church, we have to recognize that when we, when we look on the news, when we, when we hear something, we're not just hearing a bunch of carnal stuff. There's a spiritual war going on. There's a spiritual war going on. And if we don't go to our advocate in the spirit and deal with it there, we're just showing up in court with our own noodle. And we're going to perish. Because the opposition is prepared. Right? So, we as, as a body, it doesn't do any good to have the bloodshed for us. If we're not accessing the power, the, the, the judicial things that have been established because of the blood. If we're not accessing that power... We're just being passive, letting things happen. We don't just say, it's the law of the land, so we just do whatever. No, maybe the law of the land is wrong. <laughs> don't have any tomatoes yet, all right? <laughs> but we're going to tap in where, where we can go with confidence. Amen. So what I want to look at, I'm just going to look at a couple things here today, and I think it's going to be really helpful for us. Are you ready? Let's talk to our Father here right before we get in. I, I, I want each one of us to be drawing. You know what? I, I have some stuff to share here, but if you receive anything today, it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And it will transform your life if you're receptive to it. Okay, so what I want to do is just look at, at what this, this advocate word Means And we'll get to some scriptures, just bear with me a little bit. But what does it mean to be an advocate? Because we don't really use that, I said lawyer, you know, but, but an advocate is somebody that's on your side. <laughs> you want to get a liar that's actually going to be on your side and not on their boat payment side, you know. It's like they're, they're more concerned about you than they are uh, making money themselves, right? So let's just go through this definition, and this is Thayer's, it's a little bit more uh, involved. Um, so an advocate, he's summoned. So he doesn't just show up without a request, okay? He's called to one's side, especially called to one's aid. He's one who pleads another's cause before a judge. A pleader, counsel for defense, legal assistant, an advocate. What would you suppose is necessary in this person? It goes back to what we, our guest minister was talking about last week. You need some wisdom, don't you? You need all the information, but you also need to know how to apply it. And I don't know about you, but I need help with that. The first place to arriving in court prepared is recognizing that you need some help. Right? So then what do you do? You call up 1-800-ADVOCATE, right? And you say, I need some help here. Amen? All right. He's one who pleads another's cause with one. An intercessor. 
That's somebody that gets in between. <laughs> I played football in high school. We had this great big lineman. They were my intercessors. <laughs> I wanted to make it through the line. I had to follow my blockers, right? <laughs> of Christ in his exaltation at God's right hand, pleading with God the Father for the pardon of our sins. Isn't this interesting? You think, it was done at the cross. Why do you need to do anything else? But, you know, he ever lives to intercede for us. Why? Because we have opposition ever, ever, ever. And that needs to be confirmed over and over again. No, this has been established. Amen? Praise God. All right, and this is the last one here about an advocate. In the widest sense, he's a helper, a succurer. Anybody know what a succurer is? Actually, I don't think you'll even get it in Google because it's kind of one of those Bible kind of words. But you can't find succor, and that is to, to, to help. Succur. How do you say it? I said it. Don't laugh at me then. Help me out. Quit laughing. <laughs> to to su sucker. I'm not saying sucker. I'm saying sucker. Okay. Sucker. -er. All right. He's an aider or an assistant, right? Whatever. I knew that was going to happen. I planned that into my... All right. Of the Holy Spirit destined to take the place of Christ with the apostles. Isn't this interesting? Jesus says, I have to go so that... The succurer can come. Amen? This is not a small thing. This is not a small... When Jesus was here, he could only be with people one-on-one. -on -one. The Holy Spirit can be with everybody. Amen? And as he does, he's a helper. Succorer, but how do you say succor? No, I know, but what's the first part? What? The verb, succor. To lead them to a deeper knowledge of gospel truth and give them divine strength needed to enable them to undergo trials. Don't you like that part? And persecutions on behalf of the divine kingdom. So Jesus is talking to his, to his disciples about this. And we'll want to get to a passage of this. And Jesus, you know, his, his disciples were trying to figure him out all along, weren't they? They're were saying, man, are we going to get to be a part of a new king? You know, he's going to rise up on earth. And, man, I think I want to be like a cardinal. I want to be. That, that's, that's what they are talking about, wasn't it? Uh, the, it's like, where am I going to fit into this earthly kingdom of Jesus? And then he starts talking about stuff that does not sound like fun at all. He said, people are going to treat you terrible. They're going to do harmful things to you because of me. And they, their heart kind of sinks. All that giddiness about getting stuff kind of runs away. And they feel overwhelmed with oppression and wondering what's going on. And so then he gets to this next part here. And I, and I want to look at this because I think there's a necessity for us to get two things from today about the Holy Spirit. That he needs to be a constant comfort for us. A succorer. All right. And he's going to succor us. All right. He's the Holy Spirit. He's not only a comforter. But we're going to see that there's another side to him that's not quite so obvious. There's a significance of the Holy Spirit's presence on this earth. He's here right now among us. He's come to live in us, but he's also come to be on us. The disciples were born again when they went up to the upper room, weren't they? They were born again. They had the Spirit. But there's another side where you say, come, Holy Spirit. That's what an advocate is. It's not just somebody that you think is already there. It's somebody saying, I need your help right now. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Isn't that what we said in the definition? It's one that is summoned. And if there's a summoning, there's a reception. Amen? A reception with purpose. So John 16, 7 
But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Right before this, he was saying, you're getting all depressed about what I'm saying. Just hang on. Did you know that there's more than this life that we should be focused on? The whole reason why there's power right now to, to, to make everybody stay home and do whatever else they want to tell us to do is because we're afraid that this little time on, our, our earth, on earth is going to be shut down just a little bit. <laughs> and as long as you're afraid of death, you can be told to do anything. Jesus came to take the sting of death. He said, now, now you don't have to be in fear about anything. Let's just get over this, right? <laughs> but he, he, he's, going, he, he's going further. And part of the reason why he can have such confidence in telling them in, that he's leaving is he said, man, there's something. You just wait. You just wait till the comforter comes because it's going to be, it's going to be, he's going to be a companion with you like I could never be. Wouldn't it just be wonderful if you could just be buddies with Jesus all the time? And we are. But how are we? It's by the Holy Spirit. That's how we know Jesus. By the Holy Spirit. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So there's this necessity, and there, there needs to be a heightened appreciation, application, exercising familiarity with the Holy Spirit. Amen? This isn't just a, I've, I'm already there thing. Now I'm just going to go live my life like it doesn't matter. If somebody this important has come, he's been sent by Jesus it should make a big difference in our life whether or not we utilize our advocate. Because I'll tell you what, we're showing up in court every time we step out the front door. And either we're stepping out on our own understanding or in all our ways we're acknowledging him. When we acknowledge him, it's going to be by the Spirit. Amen? So, I want to skip over. We were in John 16 there, right? Let's go over to John 14 real quick because I just want to enforce this just a little bit. There's like four or five places, I believe, in the, that it actually talks about an advocate. It's not a real common thing in the Word. Um, but over here in John 14, 26, Jesus was reiterating this uh, several uh, special times when he's talking about his departure. He says, I'm going to send. I'm going to send. I'm going to send a comforter. Amen. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And will remind you of everything I have said to you. What is there about the necessity? And this is going to be a big part of this. It doesn't do any good for a lawyer to know everything, to know how to do it, if he can't get up there and do more than stutter. He's going to have to enunciate things. Why? Because it's in words that things are established. That's why it's critical right now. Everything that's being said every day in our nation, not just by our leadership, but by us. Because power takes place in the declaration of truth. It also takes place in the declaration of lies. But if the lies are just being disseminated without any refutal from the truth, you can go to trial and your stuttering lawyer gets up and doesn't do a good job for you and a lie can put you in jail. Is that true? Happens every day for Christians. They're living in bondage. Bondage they do not have. To. It's already been, the freedom's been won at the cross. But they're not accessing, they're not summoning the advocate. And they're just, they're just regurgitating the lies, the reports that aren't from the Lord. And, they're, and all they're doing is confirming their adversary's case. So, 
this advocate that we have in the Holy Spirit, he's going to plead our case. But he's also going to infuse us. It's like, it's like uh, Jen was talking about. We're going to have access to that very same wisdom. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to impart the wisdom to us, but it's going to be our mouths that are declaring it. Amen? It's going to need to come from us. Are you with me this morning? Is this fun yet? All right. (laughs) Holy Spirit's influence in the world is not just defense, because what we've been looking at has been defense, hasn't it? What's defense? Something's been done wrong, we're going to make it right. But what else happens in court? What else needs to happen in court? A murderer needs to go to jail. Somebody that has done injustice, it needs to be made right. He needs to be exposed for who he is. Isn't it amazing some of the things that's going on in the world today by people in high places that never have justice rendered to them. And the same people that are concerned about justice say nothing about these things. Why? Because it depends on who people are. Is that right? All right, man, I'm stepping all over. Uh, I hear all kinds of eggshells just just cracking. So there's a need for this advocate, and this is the, the two sides we need to get to. We need to be comforted by the Holy Spirit. Amen? When you're going through something, don't just go through and feel like you're alone. Summon the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, show me what's been done for me in Christ. Make it real in my life. Amen? And when you show me, it's going to come out of my mouth now. And now I'm going to resist the devil and he will flee. Amen? Because the weapons that I have, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to pull down strongholds. Amen? All right. John 16, 8. This is the next verse after that first one we were looking at. So when he comes, this is a really interesting little verse here. Let's draw... Three things out of this. Can we do this? He will prove. What's proving? Okay, we're going to look at that too. He will prove. He will demonstrate. He will expose. He will make it obvious. Right? That the world is in the wrong. Wouldn't that just be really nice? You know, when you know something's just wrong and and everybody's just parading around like they're right, You know? (laughs) This says that the Holy Spirit didn't come to just comfort me, but he came to make the adversary look like a fool. Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. This sounds like a prosecutorial. How do you say that word? Prosecutorial uh, function, doesn't it? Role. So the Holy Spirit acts in the same way that he's going to be our comforter when we take what he shows us and we put it in our mouth, the same way he's going to wield the exposition of darkness. It's going to be through us. That's why we have to be speaking the truth. Amen? Not just passive. We have to be declaring these things, all right? We have a role to play. We've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen? It's up to us to make a difference. So, what does prove mean? All right, we got Thayer. We'll pull Thayer back out. Let's look and see what prove means here, okay? It's to convict, refute, confute, generally with a suggestion of shame of the person convicted. Don't you like that concept? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how a culture that, that, that murders babies can shame people in other positions. Isn't that odd? Isn't it funny how, how, how shame gets completely on the wrong side of things? The Holy Spirit has come to put shame on the right side. <laughs> It's by conviction to bring to the light 
to expose, to find fault with, and to correct. It's by word, to reprehend severely, chide, admonish, reprove, to call to account, show one his fault, De- demand an explanation. Don't you like this? By deed, to chasten, to punish. So the Holy Spirit, this is his function. So Jesus said, I have to go away so the the ridiculer of darkness can come and be with you. But you know what? This is also comfort for the one who has been done wrong. It's a big reason for a big movement in our country today is there's some wrong that's been done. It's just you don't fix things that are wrong by doing other wrong things. You take care of the wrong only, right? And this is where uh, a diversion from even acknowledging God in our courts has made, made this possible. There's no consideration of God at all. And this is where it's so necessary for us to be the ones that are doing this. Amen? Did you know that right now, you open up, opening up your mouth and by the Holy Spirit declaring something, you can affect the world around you. Amen? Jesus said it. He said the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to reveal those things that are wrong. How? It's through us. Amen? Praise God. So with the Holy Spirit, the sin of unbelief, so he said, I'm going, to, I'm going to prove the world wrong about the sin. And, and, and this is how he declares this sin. And it's so basic, but it's so necessary to see. He says, about sin, because people do not believe in me. Christmas doesn't fix this. Oh, I believe in Christmas. No. Easter doesn't fix this. <laughs> you know what I mean? The basic problem anytime a nation is going down the tubes is a turning from Jesus. Belief in Jesus. Now, belief in Jesus, what did Jesus say? If you believe in me, you're going to do what I say. If you believe in me, you're going to do what I say. If you believe in me, you're going to take up your cross and you're going to follow me daily if you believe in me. Well, the problem with America is they're, they're, they're not taking up the cross. I'm just talking about the world in general, right? Uh, and they're, they're, they're believing in science. They're believing in, in all these things that have no consideration of God whatsoever. Is that right? And Jesus said that the advocate, the advocate's going to come to deal with this. You know what our nation needs right now? It needs Jesus to be lifted up and for everybody to be drawn unto him. Amen? Amen? Did you know a a nation will be healed if they're believing in the right thing? A nation is, is a terminal as long as their back is to their answer. Amen? So Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's come to be a prosecutor to the world to expose that you are wrong about Jesus. You know what the world needs right now? They need to know that they are wrong about Jesus. He's not just a cuss word. He's not just a person from the past that we're moving beyond. We're in the 21st century, so now we have to move on to accepting everything else that anybody has, their little pity Peter Patter Hart comes up with their own identity, their own perception of even what life is. You know what? There's a reality, and they are not living it. Amen? How is this affected? You know, I said, what bothers me, what do we do? We have the Holy Spirit. Amen? But again, it does no good to have the, the phone number of a lawyer that you never call. Right? Man, we have to be calling on him. We have to have, a, we have, to have fellowship with him. Amen? Okay, what else does he do? 
The Holy Spirit comes to prove that Jesus was right in everything that he claimed. So to believe in Jesus, you just have to, first of all, it's kind of like I was talking about acknowledging God. You have to believe in him. But now, when you believe in him, you're going to have to actually accept everything that he said about himself. And this is where the world went wrong with this, too. Jesus said, he, he foretold everything that he was going to do, what, what going to happen to him, right? He said, I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised from the dead. I'm going to go to my father. <laughs> be the first, well, he didn't say this, but he became the firstborn of many brethren. He became, he made the way for us. And they were denying it all the time he was on earth, weren't they? The world was denying it. He's not who he says he is. He's not right. What he says is not true. You know, Jesus, this must have been some of the joy that he set before him. You know, when he endured the cross. I believe he was seeing us. But I also believe he was seeing the adversary that's really my real enemy. He's going to be proven for what he really is. I don't have to say a word about being right right now. The Holy Spirit's going to come. It's going to be proven that everything I've said is right. Amen? Now, what that will do, it will do something in us. It will confirm in us the righteousness that we are in Christ. But it will also put us in a position to know that when it comes to the world, there's a righteousness that only comes by the Holy Spirit. And it's what we have. Amen? I'm encouraging you, when you look at the world around you, do not even get this. Don't give it the slightest amount of honor, consideration, admiration. Because that's what you do when you fear. Oh, did you hear about this? Oh, did you hear about that? We're not supposed to give it any deference at all. We're supposed to say, no, we believe in Jesus, first of all. And we believe that everything he said is right. I'm a new creation in Christ. <laughs> Amen? And the Holy Spirit's come to abide in me. And he, he's a spirit of truth. And he guides me into all truth. That's what Jesus did. To make me right. Oh, isn't it good to, to go into court knowing that you're going to win? Knowing that you have the case? Amen? But you know what? I, I, I just encourage you right now. I'm saying some things that are true. But for them to be reality in your life, they're only reality by the Holy Spirit. By your fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? This is not just information. This is revelation. Amen? He's saying that the Holy Spirit, that's how it's going to happen. You know, I know a lot of Christians today feeling really comfortable with what they think they know about something. And if there's, if there's any day that you're out of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you've withdrawn yourself from the really place of righteousness in this area. Amen? Now, righteousness is still yours. It's established. It's a judicial thing that's been established for you, but you're not living in it. Right? All right. One more thing here. Holy Spirit establishes the reality of Satan's judgment on the cross. This is a fun one. His current state of condemnation and that of all who follow him. Don't you know whenever Jesus encountered, he encountered some, some devils, didn't he, on the street. He'd run into somebody, that little boy, you know, that was throwing himself in the fire and, and his disciples couldn't cast it out, you know. And, and uh, what was different about Jesus? He spent so much time with his father, and he had a perspective of that demon that was so superior to that demon. He knew who he was. He knew that that demon was already uh, condemned. He, was, he knew the end of the demon before he even addressed it. What did it do to his authority when he did? He could tell that thing to do anything. He didn't have to shout at it. He, he might have, but he didn't have to. 
Why? Because he was in authority because he knew who he was. He knew the judgment that had already been made. And he knew what he was fixing to do too. That it was going to seal it forever. Okay? So, so this next verse, he says, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Don't you like that? <laughs> it's not quite fair. You know, you got to wait till the judge makes his decision, but God has made his decision. Amen? In Christ. So, a judgment in the, in the courthouse of the world has already been made. But we have, the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that allows us to live in the reality of that. Amen? Oh, we need to be, we need to be beckoning our advocate. It needs to be our lifestyle. Amen? 1 Samuel 17. I just got a few examples here. Uh, this, is, this is a wonderful one. We have a little boy, a little ready boy with five stones, you know. And uh, if you actually, if you read the previous few verses on this, he's also a preacher. He starts saying, you just wait to see what happens here. Because you would think that he was an advocate himself. He's saying, what we have here, <laughs> right? What we have here <laughs> is a failure to communicate, right? <laughs> what we have here is a failure for you all to know who you really are, who you are, and who that guy out there is. And David had this understanding that because of the law that he had, that enemy out there was already defeated. But you know what he did? He, did, he didn't just keep that all to himself. What happened when David went off on his little spouting thing? He made some people kind of jealous and angry and say, who does this little sprout think he is? Right? But what was he doing? I believe the Holy Spirit was being activated when David went on his little tirade. Again, read the previous verses to this, because, I mean, he's, he's inspired. He knows his God. He's been out in the pasture, looking up in the heavens, saying, man, you got to be an idiot to not believe in this God. Right? And he knows him. So what I like about this is he gives, he gives an, an end to what's going to take place. Is all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. We have to get an understanding of this. We want some natural things to take place, but it's not by natural things that the Lord saves. Amen? For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. <laughs> what happens at the end of all these battles that are like this? It says, and then everybody believed in God. Why? Because somebody spoke out the truth by the Holy Spirit, walked it out, and God was the one that had the battle won before they ever stepped out. Amen? Don't you like that story? All right. Can you handle another one here? All right. This is a, this is a really, uh, really cool story about uh, Hezekiah. You familiar with Hezekiah? Okay, he's a king that came after some other... Uh, kings. Actually, remember the, 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 the nation of Israel had, had been divided because of a, of, of a bad king making wrong decisions. And uh, it had been divided into Judah and then all the other tribes, right, in Israel. Well, at this time, all the other tribes of Israel had actually been conquered and put into captivity. But Hezekiah comes along and he establishes worship of God like never before. He gets, he gets the whole nation and, and establishes the order behind worship. Like the, their whole life was going to be about worshiping God. And you know, they had these weird poles that, that, that they would put up in high places. People have a need to worship. You know, everybody's worshiping something even right now. 
So they would put up these poles, and a lot of times those previous kings, they might worship God, but they, they kind of let people just kind of worship whatever they wanted to also. Hezekiah comes along and says, no, we're taking it all down. We're, we're just going to worship God. Worship God alone. And, 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 and there's this wonderful, uh, I think it's in the previous chapter here, there's this wonderful time where they all just come together and they rejoice in God. They spend 14 days celebrating God. And God blesses them. God protects them from his en- their enemies. But the king of Assyria comes against him. King of Assyria rises up. He's a, uh, all right, Hunter, help me on this. Sennacherib, Arib, Sennacherib, I believe is his name. Um, and uh, he comes up to, the to because, uh, I mean, Judah's a small little nation. I mean, it's just like Jerusalem, you know? And they're hiding out in, in, in behind walls. And, and so Hezekiah finds out that, that this king is coming against him and, and so they, he, begin, he, he begins to get some strategies by, by the Holy Spirit, I believe. He says, let's divert all the water from all the streams that are surrounding here so that when, that, when, when they arrive, that they won't have any water. So they hole up in the, in, behind the walls, and they do all these strategies to make it difficult for the enemy when he comes. But the enemy comes anyway. And the enemy comes and he starts ridiculing the people of Judah. And he says, how is your God going to do anything different than all the other gods? This is kind of what we have going on around us today. What's different about your God? You know, the only thing is going to be the Holy Spirit. Amen? So he comes against them, and man, he is make he. I think he he must have put a whole troop together to maybe do this, to shame, to shame the children, or the the people of Judah there, and to say, "I'm going to crush you just like I've crushed everybody else that had what they thought was a god." So let me let me read this. Make sure I don't get a, ahead of myself here. Second uh, Chronicles 32, 6. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encouraged them with these words. Listen to this. Be strong and courageous. You'd think if you were already strong and you were already courageous, you wouldn't need somebody to tell you that. Why do we need somebody to tell us to be strong? Because that's who we actually are. We need it revealed to us. Why do we come together and encourage each other? Because we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We need somebody to say to us. And when they do, when we encourage each other, that's a, whole, a work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power within us than with him. Now, it's talking about within, isn't it? It's not just what they have. That other king has more. But within, he does not. Amen? With him is only the arm of flesh. It might be a great big arm. It might be a, uh, <laughs> a juiced up arm. <laughs> but that's all he's got. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Wouldn't it be great to just have God fight our battles? That's what the Holy Spirit came to do. Amen? And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. What I desire today is for us to gain confidence today. Amen? For us to be strong, courageous. We're not supposed to wilt. No. The battle is the Lord's. Amen? So, let me just finish that story a little bit. So, instead of consulting with his military people about a strategy, you know what Hezekiah did? He called them all together and they cried out unto the Lord. They cried out unto the Lord. You know what I, 
well, we're doing more and more, and, I, and I'm being prompted. We need to be praying. We need to not be passive in prayer. We need to realize that it's when we call unto God that the activation, it, it's summoning the Holy Spirit, amen, to work on our behalf. So you know what happened when, right after they did that? The Lord sent an angel and just killed all his, all that opposing king's army. The Lord did it. God did it. Isn't that amazing? And you know that guy that was trying to shame them? He went back into the temple of his little G God. And his own family followed him into that temple and killed him. Our advocate comes to not just preserve us, but to shame the enemy. Amen? That's not our main motive, but it's part of the process. Zechariah 4, 6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, there's, there's, there's going to be a reliance on our own understanding. There's going to be a reliance on, on, on our own perception of, of numbers and all these kinds of things. As long as our time is spent more in fellowship with that than it is with the Holy Spirit. But if we're in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, what he said there, I, what was it about Zerubbabel? You know what's what's amazing? It says, before you, that mountain will be turned into a plain. Before you. Why? God God needs us today. You know, I was listening to my my sister Patsy was talking about this. She said, God needs us. You know, that that sounds kind of pompous. Well, why did he send Jesus? Why did he send the Holy Spirit? If he could just go do it himself. Did he just wipe out that enemy because... He liked Hezekiah. No, he, he wiped out the enemy because Hezekiah called on him. Right? And he actually needed Hezekiah to call on him so that he could be released to do that. There's a need for release in our nation today for God to do some things that are amazing, that are the answer, that are the cry of our heart, but will remain undone as long as our mouths are closed to God and open to regurgitating the lies of the enemy. Amen? You can put your own name in there. You can say, before me, a mountain's coming down. That's what it says. And It says, if you can just believe, if you can have the faith of a mustard seed, that mountain, it, it does what you tell it to do. Amen? Acts 1.8, but, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, how does the Holy Spirit come on you? You ask Him. You ask Him, you say, is He there for everybody? Yes. He's not saying just a few of you. No, He's saying anybody. Amen? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. What's a witness? It's a declaration of what, what, what happens in a court of law. I saw this. I saw that. This is my understanding of this. Amen? What is, our, what is our, our position? It's to be a witness of what God has done. Amen? For it to fill our mouth and, and to make a difference. Amen? You'll be in, uh, witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. You know, this wasn't just a small thing that he said here. This was prophetic. It came to pass partly because he said it. Amen? And what he said there right now was specifically for us today. To affect an advancing enemy with the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do you need the power of the Holy Spirit? Because you have an adversary. And you need an advocate. Amen? That adversary is going to look like different things. And we need to, we need to recognize that this is not just carnal stuff. He's going to make it look like carnal stuff. He's going to try to get you to feel sorry for somebody. But we need to have our, our sights set on the truth alone. Amen? All right. 1 John 4, 4. 
Don't you like this? You, dear children. We, we sang about this this morning. Don't you like singing that song? I am who you say I am. <laughs> You're for me. You're not against me. I'm your child. Ah. You know what? When I first sang this song, I thought, man, they're singing this part a whole bunch of times. <laughs> we need to sing that part a whole bunch of times. We need to be confirmed. We need to confirm it. We need to declare it. We need to become secure and confident in it that I am who God says I am. Amen? And who he says I am is somebody that the spirit of truth has come to abide in. And when that Holy Spirit comes and abides in me, amen, when I welcome him, when I become full of him, that power in me is so much greater than anything in this world. Amen? But here's the challenge also. For this understanding to not just be a comfort to me, but for it to be a motivation for me. I want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit has been given not just for you, but to be a prosecutor to the world, to affect the world. Amen? To sit back and not receive, not activate. That's why we're told we're supposed to, we're supposed to desire gifts of the Spirit. What are those gifts? They're all associated with something we're going to say. What's it going to do? It's going to confirm what has been done in Christ in somebody's life. And it will refute the lie of the enemy against them. Amen? And to withhold the capacity to do that can not only be rude, but it can also be dangerous for you. Amen? Because to not be with is to actually be against. Can we be challenged this morning? Can we be challenged in this? Say, Holy Spirit, I need you to comfort me, to, to confirm in me what Jesus has said. He said, I'll remind you of the things I've said. Amen? And I'll make Jesus alive in your life. I need that for me. But God needs us to become on the other side of that. Where the Holy Spirit begins to wield weapons of warfare against the enemy. Because we're not just about us. But we're about the prosecutor side of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I want to encourage. I, I was, I've just been encouraged in this already. Just, just thinking on this. We have something we can do. We can affect this world around us right now. Amen? But we have to desire it. We have to put, make a place for it. We have to say, no, this is for me. Amen? The Holy Spirit's for me. I need to know Jesus more. I need to know what His Word really means more. That's going to come by the Holy Spirit. Amen?